Coming up on BYU Basketball with Mark Pope, it was another split decision for the Cougars last week with an in-state win and a setback in South Dakota. Now during finals week comes another tough test for the Cougs, and we look ahead with Coach Pope and Trevin Nell next. This is BYU Basketball with Mark Pope, presented by Siegfried and Jensen. And now, your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Well, thank you and welcome back inside Studio C at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo for another weekly edition of BYU Basketball with Mark Pope. We are joined as always by live studio audience here in Studio C. And for those watching live on the BYU TV app, you're invited to take part in our live polls via the Opine app. Just download the app on your phone, then watch the side of your screen for poll questions throughout the show. Our social media hashtag is Pope Show, hashtag Pope Show. And you can use that hashtag to submit weekly questions that Coach Pope answers during our weekly Q&A segment. Well, coming up on tonight's show, we will look back at last week's set of two games, including a solid win over Utah State in front of a full house at the Marriott Center. We'll have Seneca Knight sitting down in the film room with Jerem Jordan. We'll preview this weekend on a showdown at the D Event Center at Weber State. Coach Pope will take your questions from social media, and Trevin Nell will join us in studio as well. And now, in his final visit with us before our Christmas break, no show next week, let's bring on out the head coach of BYU basketball, Mark Pope. All right. How are you doing, guys? Good to see you all. How are you? What's up, guys? How are we? Coach Pope. Let's, let's oh, go. Man. Come on. <laughs> it's a Kalani-style hug. <sighs> How you hanging in? Great. You doing good? This is our Christmas show. It is, as it turns out. We'll be celebrating Christmas in Hawaii next week. How is it possible we don't have a Christmas tree on a Christmas show? Can we get that done here in the next uh, 45 seconds? That's the challenge. We just threw down the gauntlet. <laughs> we probably have one out in the lobby. We do have one out in the lobby. When's the last time we did this and, and, and we came, it came up with something? It was the mustaches. Last time we, wasn't it beards, mustaches, something? We had mustaches one week. Yeah. Christmas. I'm looking for some Christmas trees by the end of the show. <laughs> okay, Bryn is sweating now because she knows it's on her at this point. <laughs> you know yeah. they got Christmas. Studio C has a Christmas show somewhere. Something we have, we have tons of decorations out in the lobby, like 20 feet away. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so you've got finals. Well, not you, but the team has finals this week. Yes. Uh, every team in the country, when you see they've got a week between games, yes. you can tell it's finals week. And you're, yes. you're at that situation right now, aren't you? Yes. And um, so guys are going hard. Uh, we had actually Atiki and Foos walk into the office uh, yesterday at like 6 p.m., out of their minds excited because Foose had just got a 99% on his religion final. <laughs> and Atiki had also done very well. So we're getting scores back every day and the guys are working hard. What, are your, what does your schedule look like uh, during finals week practice-wise? We, well, it's, this is a dual proposal for us because this is the only time during the course of the season where these guys even can just take a breath. Normally you have a few days of Christmas, maybe around Christmas, but because we're playing straight through Christmas, we don't have any time. So. This is um, serving as finals and like a one and a half day hiatus and, uh, you know, middle of the season, right? So um, the guys were off yesterday, although a bunch of guys came in the gym and got up shots on their own. And then today we had small group practices as guys are still going through finals. They'll be off tomorrow and then we'll hit it hard Thursday and Friday and, and getting ready for Saturday. And when will you go to Ogden? Game day or you go up the day before? Friday night. Go there. Mm -hmm. Stay there and get it. Yep. Get a shoot in on Saturday. Yep. We, we every every night when we, when we go on the road, every time it's possible, we'll go in the night before the game. We'll usually fly in, get to the the gym late that night, just so the guys can go smell the gym. It's really important for us. Go just see the lighting and see how it feels in there and how a ball sounds in there and what it looks like and how it smells really generally, and um, then we get to sleep on it and hopefully play well. Let's uh, hit the news from today uh, that came out on social media, courtesy of Richard Harward's own personal account. He said uh, that he is going to be uh, out for the season. Now, yep. there was hope that he'd come back, and it was kind of up in the air, and he's kind of said it's, it's not going to be this season that he plays again. Yeah, um, just uh, super tough for, for Rich uh, and super tough for our team. So he went and had a, another battery of tests on Friday and then was waiting for, um, for the doctors to kind of get a hold of him and kind of do a full analysis evaluation and got news back uh, Monday that wasn't super positive. So... Um, so he'll be uh, recovering at least for the next month or two, hopefully with good progress, and then we'll just go from there. 
Is it, uh, is it too tough to speculate as to what his future holds uh, as, as a college athlete? Could he continue his career at some point, or is it just too early to say right now? Well, I know exactly what his future holds. Uh, he's got a great future. I mean, he's an unbelievable young man with an incredible, um, um, just uh, loving heart and, and approaches everything with intensity and has got a great career path ahead of him. In terms of basketball, we just don't know. So we'll see. Um, um, we, we know what's happening for the rest of the season, and we'll figure out the rest later. There's the personal impact with uh, Richard as, as, a, as an individual, his teammates, and that relationship. But there's a tactical impact, too. Uh, he was a big part of your plan for this yeah. year. Gavin Baxter was a big part of your plan for this year, and they happen to be two of the biggest players on the team. You're being confronted with a lot of uh, adversity tactically early in the season. Yeah, and it's, it's really it's about these young men first, right? Um, just devastating blows for Rich yesterday and for Gavin, you know, 10 days ago. Um, these are two guys that have, you know, you've got to watch them every day fight um, through all the things they had to fight to, through. And so that's the, that's the toughest part in terms of the way the team feels and, and the way we're going to, you know, um, kind of recalibrate things. We'll manage all that. But right now, you know, mostly we're just, uh, you know, Leanne and I had an unbelievable lunch with uh, – Gavin and his um, fiance today that was magical and he's uh, you know he's got great things happening in his life and that's actually the most important thing that's going on right now. And can I even ask you another thing about Gav? It, we talked last week I think about uh, you know looking down the line with him. Does he what, what kind where's his headspace right now in terms of that? Yeah I don't even think he's thinking about it. I yeah. think he's um, he's lost in the joy of um, upcoming wedded bliss. <laughs> And, uh, and, you know, he's trying to deal with all the emotions that he has to deal with right now, basketball-wise. And then he'll sift through all that and kind of get a feel for where he wants to be. Best wishes to both guys. Uh, again, uh, beyond the on-floor impact, they've got some personal stuff that uh, is pretty hard-hitting for guys who have made athletics a big part of their lives. Gav did inform Leanne and I that 100% we would be undefeated right now if he was healthy. <laughs> and he said it emphatically, so emphatically that I'm like, Gab, I think you're right. Probably right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are in bounce back mode again. Yeah. That, that's something you guys have really excelled at since you've been the head coach here at BYU is when you take one loss, you somehow find a way, regardless of circumstances, to come back together the next game and you get another shot at that this weekend. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's yes. I mean, one of the things, we talk about this all the time, right, but it is just true with life is that this game just asks us every day. It doesn't care what happened five minutes ago. It wants to know how you're going to respond to it. That's just the truth. This game is asking us every minute of every day, how are you going to respond? And, and life for all of us is like good things happen and bad things happen. Good things happen to us every day and bad things happen to us every day. Everybody has successes and everybody has miserable failures. It just is, that's life. And all life is asking us is how are you going to respond? And we've, had, we've been really blessed with a great locker room where the vast majority of the times our guys respond in a brilliant fashion. Let's hope it continues. All right. As we look ahead, let's first of all flash back and look back at last week's highlights and stats presented by Intermountain Healthcare, official medical provider for BYU Athletics. It was a two-game week, and the first game of the week was at the Marriott Center. It was BYU and Utah State. Great in-state battle, full house across the way. Yeah, and listen, this is a great Utah State team. Uh, Coach Ryan Odom is, has been a friend for a long time, and he's doing an unbelievable job at Utah State. And, you know, they're led by a couple of seniors, uh, in-house seniors and a couple of transfer seniors that are really, really talented. And it was a, it, we knew it was going to be a great game, and it certainly, it certainly turned out to be. Great team win. Uh, there were some individual standouts we'll uh, take a look at, some team numbers of note. Great shooting night uh, for, for, for the BYU team. A solid night uh, from the bench. Uh, free throws were a big part of this game, both the number that you made and the impact we like the rock, the, that the Rock had in the second half. I think Utah State was 0 for 6 in the second half on free throws until they made one. And that was a really good uh, three free throw team coming into the game. Yeah, they're a great free throw team, but it's hard to shoot in this gym, man. It, it is hard to shoot with this rock doing their work, and they're a big part of everything we do. Um, you know, we, we, we went with a little bit of a smaller lineup, um, kind of starting a game for the first time with a little bit of a smaller lineup. The guys really, really shared the ball and really fought to earn great shots for each other, and we shot it well. You see Trevin's numbers from three. He made his first three threes of the night. Big for you guys. Yeah, and it was big for him, too. He's a great shooter. Uh, he's not a good shooter. 
He's a great shooter. And the one thing that every great shooter knows is that you go through some little uh, some little periods of time where you don't make shots a lot. I mean, you think about Damian Lillard at the beginning of the season was having to answer. Damian Lillard was having to answer questions about making shots. And it's just as, you know, the great shooters, um, they don't get discouraged. And certainly Trevin hasn't. And in, in, in the last few games, he shot it, I believe it was two for three last game. And he's... he's you know, he's back to his normal ways of making every single shot. Your leading scorer in the Utah State game was Alex Barcelo, team high 17 for AB. Uh, back to his old ways at the free throw line, he was seven for seven yep. that night. It's kind of what he does. And uh, you, you kind of, you know, run out of platitudes after a while for just how steady, reliable, a rock he's been for your offense. And he really does, I mean, he has everything, right? He's, yep. he's got everything in the arsenal. Yeah, and it's funny because he, he does everything. And, and, you know, he had an unbelievable week, Utah State. and. And really played terrific, great too. Um, but he is, uh, you know, he's he's got so much in his arsenal, and yet today, for an hour and a half, he's so focused on on developing another skill. Um, this is something that's going to be really specific to our growth as a team, and he just comes in hungry to grow every single day, and that. Uh, you know, that's a feel all throughout the team. Let's get, let, let's get to Gideon because the Utah State game, I think, was Gideon's first game yeah. back, right, yes. after missing a couple games yes. due to illness. And you had him on a bit of a pitch count. that you, I think yes. you, went, you went over a little bit maybe against uh, Utah State? Yes, we did. And, <laughs> you know, Gideon was a little delirious still, trying to come back from, come back from being really sick. And we joked after the game, there was a couple times we weren't sure if he remembered if he was on offense or defense. <laughs> but he... he uh, Made a huge guy. That was a, a, a just a big time block. You know, he was really functional on the glass and and really gave us a spark. And just his length that you feel defensively on the glass is is just um, super important. He got tricked up a couple times early defensively and then was like, I'm gonna fix this. Um, and it just was great to have him back. You know, we'd missed him for two really really hard games, and so just having him back uh, on the active roster was important. One of the things I, I love most about the highlights we've seen. Uh, so far tonight is that in every shot the background was filled with fans in the stands no empty seats yep. it wasn't technically a sellout but it was another yep. 16,000 but it looks yep. like a sellout right yep. you have 16,000 fans in that building you're, you're having these midweek games winter games weather gets a little squirrely you're packing the building the fans have been tremendous this year yeah it's so fun it's a shame we don't play here more I mean we we, we had I think we have one game in, in a five-week stretch in the yeah. five-week stretch but uh, especially every time we get to walk in that gym man it really is a gift so the Utah State game got the week off to a good start, and it was a quick flip to uh, head to the Midwest. And you got out ahead of a storm that pounded uh, the Sioux Falls area, but you got into Sioux Falls on Thursday night to get ready for Creighton. Yes, and um, it was a quick turnaround against a really, really good team, a team Excellent with great team. tradition. Yeah. And um, should we move on to the game after that? <laughs> what was the game after that? We'll, 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 have, a, we'll have a few moving pictures from that game. <laughs> Again, they, they had a great first half, really did some good things, and yeah, it's up to you guys to battle back. Yeah, you know, uh, we struggled in some areas. We never struggled in. We're in the 99th percentile effectivity in, in transition defense, and we gave up 14 transition baskets in the first half, and it was a little bit inexplicable. It was just not, it wasn't the character of our team. Um, their physicality really, really affected us. Their size and physicality. It was the first time this season for a variety of reasons where I looked out on the court during the course of the game and we felt so small. We just felt so undersized and um, there's some ways we can remedy that and fix that. Um, so there were a bunch of things that went wrong for us. The one thing I'm super proud of the guys is on a, on a really bad day, man, they kept fighting, 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 gave us a chance down the stretch to really be in the game. We just couldn't get over, couldn't get over the hump. But uh, I was always super proud of this team's effort and super proud of us staying together. I'm not so proud of my ability to get us ready to play in that game. You won the second half, uh, did come back. All their block shots came in the first half. They didn't have a block after halftime. Yep. And, uh, you know, you think about it, you know, we, we gave their starting power forward. He had 20 in the first half and five in the second. It was a little bit like the Bean situation where he, he got so much mm -hmm. done in the first half and the guys adjusted better in the second half. We just got to be able to make those adjustments in live real time, not at halftime when you have 15 minutes to all gather together and plan out, but we got to do it in the 90 seconds we're allowed in a timeout, not just the instruction, but the recalibration. We got to be able to figure that out better. And, and um, you know, in that game, we had to find a way to put a bigger, uh, bigger unit on the, on the floor. And we did that in the second half, and that was a little bit better for us. But, um, you know, it, these, the, you know, of the top 100 ranked teams in the country, one to a hundred, 
we've played the fourth hardest schedule of any team still ranked in the top 100. And so there's a reason for that. Like, the, you know, here, here's the, losing is the worst thing in the world. You know, losing is the worst. It is the worst. And, but the, you know what losing does? Like me and my staff haven't slept for the last four, I don't know, what has it been, three days or four days. And, and you know, we're spending countless hours right now trying to retool things. And it's an unbelievable motivator to try and, you know, it gets your guys' attention and it refocuses you, and that's why you play these games. We're not playing these games to have an unblemished schedule. We're playing these games so we can get better. And if we do this right, this Creighton game, as painful as it was, is going to help us get better, and that's why you do it. Let, let's hit A-B if we could just for a little bit before we leave the Creighton game because he scored 28, which is one off his career high. Carried the offense for you. And, and he does it uh, on a career high in field goals made and field goals attempted, but it's still modest numbers. Yep. It's 11 for 20. Yep. He always shoots a high number in his big point games. He's never been a chucker, never is a chucker. Yet, you know, if there's if there's a guy that, that, that that's played here since Jimmer who has kind of a Jimmer type ability to where if I want to make some things happen, I can do it, he's one of those guys. And it's just so impressive that he never does it at the expense of the team. Yeah. But he also has a sense of when they need me, yeah. I can respond. Yeah, he just is, I mean, he's just playing at such an elite level right now. Still with areas where he can grow, but um, you're right. He always, all the damage he does is in, within the context of the team. And it's one of the gifts that he gives to our team and BYU is that he's able to do that. You know, they were switching one through five a lot. They were sending two to the ball on ball screens a lot. Uh, they were kind of ignoring our role a lot. And we didn't function great in response to that but you think about Alex you know he's coming off ball screens and he's got you know a seven footer switching onto him with heavy gaps and and you know he, he tortured him a couple times both roasting with a sealed drive and also um, kind of just in isolation step back three he did it twice and um, his ability to kind of recognize what's happening on the floor in real time and then attack it the right way is pretty special. I think it's also interesting that of his last six 20-point games, 20 or more, five have been away or neutral. When things get a little tougher, a little harder to find points, he has a sense of that moment, yep, too. absolutely. Okay. Uh, Seneca Knight, big night for a big day for Seneca Knight yep. on, on Saturday. Uh, his BYU career high, 13 yep. points, yep. and he had three threes. Yep. Uh, he had only four the entire season until Saturday. What about Seneca was a matter of time, do you think? Well, he's getting a little more comfortable. You know, we've played him at the three and the four. He missed a bunch of t uh, time in training camp. And so he's got brand new to the program, playing two positions and missed time. And so he's going to get better and better and better as we go through the season. And as I become more aware of how I can put him in positions where he's most comfortable. Um, so, he, you know, he, he, he actually made some shots for us. He was pretty active. There's a ton of growth available to him also. He can play so much better, but he's coming, and he's going he's gonna to have a huge impact on this team. Well, indeed it was a good day for Seneca Knight, the New Orleans native, finding a bit of a groove as he adjusts to a new starting role and a first season in the BYU system. Here now, Seneca sits down with our Jerem Jordan inside the film room. All right, Seneca, big week. Uh, nice win against Utah State. Crazy travel situation to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and you play Creighton. How would you describe last week? It was a roller coaster emotion. So going there, getting the win, well, at home, getting the win against Utah State, then going out to play Creighton in South Dakota. Uh, I mean, people have seen the game, this and that. So there's ups and downs, but now we're just trying to move forward and stay positive and attack Weber State this Saturday. Okay, when you get to Sioux Falls, you had some fun with Tijon. It looked like you won <laughs> the snowball battle. Yeah, I did. I had got with a couple of the guys after we finished our practice, and I was like, hey, we need to get Tijon. So I had to find Preston to make sure he was recording. <laughs> I had it all planned out right after stretching. So I went and gave three, made three snowballs hit the corner, hit behind the corner, and just waited for him to come out. Keegan set him up, because Keegan helped me. Keegan said he was going to walk out when T-John was about to come out. So as soon as Keegan walked out, I was like, it's coming in. <laughs> the rest is history. Okay, your role has evolved a little bit from the guy you were at San Jose State, right? Especially with Gavin Baxter going down with an ACL. Mm -hmm. 
Now you're in the starting lineup. You're always going a little smaller. Um, you become kind of a rebounder defender in addition to the scoring. What's that been like? Uh, it's been a challenge, I'm not going to lie. I've never been in the position where I'm setting screens and rolling. That's never been since I was little. never been part of my game. It's been cool. Being able to learn, being able to adjust, it just makes me more valuable on the court and being able to find different ways to keep helping this team improve. Okay, let's watch one of those plays against Creighton where you set a screen and you end up getting an offensive rebound. Once I said the screen is slipped, I knew AB was going to shoot it. So just being there just in case, because, you know, he doesn't miss many. So I'm down there. I got the rebound. I was looking to go back up. AB was talking to me. And I seen him on the cut and just hit him, and he got the floater. Now, they said Foose tipped us in. What did you say? I said that's an assist. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. AB made the shot. That's an assist. I don't know <laughs> what Foose is doing. I don't, I don't like him getting credit for that, because that's supposed to be my assist. Hey, yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> you got O-board and assist. I like where your head's at. OK, then you came into the, the week. You kind of struggled from three a little bit, but you made four last week, three in this game. Let's take a look at one of those as uh, AB finds you on the break. I just catch it and shoot it. Honestly, uh, it was a couple minutes before this, I had passed up one when AB passed it to me. And we were both on the bench at the same time. He was talking, he was like, shoot that. He was like, got faith in you. He was like, we know you can hit it. You hit it all the time in practice and everything. So next time you catch it, shoot it. The situation appeared again and just let it go. A little fade away, a little English there. Right? A little English, a little style. Didn't hurt. <laughs> okay, big uh, week with finals. And then Weber State on the road, which is going to be a good in-state battle. Yeah. What's the key to winning the week? Uh, just finding ways to improve each and every day. Study the film from the Creighton game, things on, uh, find situations that we can improve on. Okay, good luck this week. Yes, sir. Thank you. What do you want to say about Seneca uh, playing in his third program right now and getting a feel for everything here at BYU? Yeah, I mean, first of all, Jerem's Christmas BYU sweater was off the hook. I mean, that was incredible. <laughs> And Seneca is such a great, uh, he's such a great member of this team, and he has got a great future in this game, and he's going to get better and better every, every game, and we're super, super grateful for him. All right, that is Seneca Knight. Let's take a look at our December schedule, how it's unwrapping for BYU. As the Cougs are at the halfway point of the month, and as we look at the left-hand side of the screen, a split decision through the first two weeks, and now comes the back half of the month starting Saturday at Ogden, Weber State, and then three games in Honolulu, South Florida in the first game, Bandy or Hawaii in the second game, and then there's a whole other half of the bracket up at the Diamond Head. That'll be three games there, concluding on Christmas Day, then finishing off at home to Westminster before conference play gets underway. So by the end of this month, you'll be on the road to Portland for WCC play. So conference play is just around the corner, but yet a challenging back half of the month still ahead for you. Yeah, and it's it's great. I mean, this is why we do it. Like. We're we're well aware of the purpose of what we're doing and we're getting to kind of explore how we can grow and how we can get better and it's going to be awesome and we get to spend Christmas in in Hawaii which will be incredible if we win and it'll be awful if we lose <laughs> Let's go with that complicated yeah yeah uh, three wins but but certainly the, the most important one will be the last one December yeah. 25th I don't know, they're Make all sure it yeah. just turns miserable you we got to win guys I hope everyone's coming everyone's coming to Hawaii right we're all coming to Hawaii. Let's go. Okay. Uh, for your day-to-day -day Cougar Sports play-by-play, -play, watch BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. It is weekdays at noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. When we come back, we will preview BYU's fourth and final in-state game of the season. Cougs headed to Ogden to take on Weaver State this Saturday as BYU basketball with Mark Pope continues. Stay with us. BYU Basketball with Mark Pope is brought to you by Siegfried & Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. And by Intermountain Healthcare, official medical provider for BYU Athletics. Welcome back to BYU Basketball with Mark Pope, presented by Siegfried & Jensen. Let's take a look at this Saturday's game night schedule for BYU at Weber State. Pre-game on the BYU Cougars app. We'll have an hour of pre-game on the app at BYUcougars.com from 5 to 6 Mountain Time, 7-day Eastern, while football post-game wraps up. And then when football post-game is done, back on BYU Radio at top of the hour for the tip-off of BYU and Weber State. And be with us for post-game coverage, including Coach Pope and his post-game conversation with us courtside as well. All right, Weber State, Coach, it's the latest uh, team with a winning record to line up against BYU. Yeah. They're 9-1. Uh, they took their first loss of the season this past week yep. at Washington State, bounced back with a non-D1 win on the weekend. Randy Ray's team looks good again. It's, I'm telling you, it's, it's an unbelievable time in the state of Utah basketball. Uh, Utah is good. Utah State is good. Every, every team in the state won their holiday tournament. Uh, this Weber State team is tremendous. 
I mean, they're undefeated except they go on the road to Washington State and, and lose a little bit of a weird game. So, you know, they, they, they're, you know, a, a, just a hair's breadth away from being, uh, you know, undefeated 10-0 and 0 right now. So uh, it's a super fun time to play in the state, and this is going to be an incredibly challenging game every year when we go, or every third year, or however it all often is, when we go up to play at Weber State, is tough, and this is probably going to be the toughest game ever. And you see they haven't lost a home game yet either, and these in-state games this year, Coach, all quad one and quad two games. Yeah, it's pretty great. Like, that's really great. That's the one great thing about taking these games on the road is it actually helps you in terms of the qualifications. Ken Palm, at least as of last night, Ken Palm won 12, net 91, a quad two game, as you see there. So it's BYU and Weber State on the weekend. Then you'll turn around from that and get ready to head to Hawaii as we talk about the Diamond Head Classic is next week. We're not going to have a show here next week, so we're kind of previewing what is to come next week in Honolulu. It is the Diamond Head. The first game will be against South Florida. South Florida's playing Austin P tonight. They're up, up 10 late in that game, so they'll have a win tonight. They play Florida on the weekend, and they head over to the island, and that's who you open up with. Yep, uh, and it's, it's going to be really tough. I mean, that's a good program. Uh, that was the last game I ever coached at Utah Valley was against South Florida in uh, at home in the postseason. Mm. And, um, and, and we lost. Clearly, it was my last game. So I'd like to get some revenge. I'd like to have back. a better, better outcome. <laughs> That's Diamond Head. And then, and then there'll be Vanderbilt or Hawaii in the second game, and then a whole other half of the bracket that includes Wyoming, Stanford, uh, Northern Iowa, and Liberty. What do you think of the field out there in Hollywood? Super interesting. The, the bracket is super interesting because, for example, Take our bracket for our side, but take the other side with those four teams. You said Stanford, Wyoming, Liberty, and Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa. Who's coming out of that side? Like, I have no idea who's going to come out of that side. It's going to be super interesting. So, it, it'll be a great week of basketball. And the games will be Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. That Saturday is the Christmas Day game in Honolulu. Before the break here, uh, we were talking during commercial break about something happening in the NBA tonight, and that was Stephen Curry becoming the all-time career three-point make leader in NBA history. He did it in like five or six hundred fewer games than Reggie Miller, who's number two. Ray Allen's number three. We bring up Reggie Miller and Ray Allen, two and three, because they were both former teammates of yours. Yep, so it was a couple things that are interesting. One is, didn't we all already think that Steph Curry was the all-time <laughs> leading three-point shot maker this NBA? So that's number one. Number two is, that's true. I played two years with Reggie Miller when he was making shots, and I played two years with Ray Allen. I'm still looking for those guys to have send me some residual licensing fee <laughs> for those records. Uh, but nothing. You yet. had to have played some role. I checked the mail every single <laughs> day, and nothing. There had to, you had to have set a few screens for to open those guys up. But that, that, here was the key. So the, actually, the only reason I actually made those teams was those guys and the other guys on the team were such prolific offensive talents that all I had to do was set a screen. And it was, uh, you know, I counted each of those screens as an assist in my own personal tally sheet. They didn't really <laughs> count that way. But when it, when it comes down to the players you played with, I'll bring up those two guys right there. What made them in like unbelievable, extraordinary shooters beyond just good? Like what was the special sauce for those guys? So I got with Ray Allen in his 10th year in the NBA. He was already one of the most prolific shooters in the history of the NBA. In fact, I think at the time when I joined the team, he might have already held the record for the most threes in the history of the NBA. 10 years in, a 10-year vet, a perennial all-star, played in the US, on the USA team, and still he shot more shots, he got up more shots in practice every day than anybody else on the team. Mm. Is, I tell our guys this all the time, there's no magic pill to shooting. Like the best shooters, they shoot the most. That is just it, pure and simple. I mean, I was played, Reggie the same way? Or? Reggie was 100% the same way. In fact, it was really interesting. Reggie and Race had the same pregame regimen. They would both show up at 4:30 for a seven o'clock game and kind of go 4:30 to 5:15 shooting before anybody else else was on the floor. And then they'd go chill out in the locker room while all the other guys came out, and it was just a big jumble of shots. Mm. They both took it incredibly serious, both before and after practice shooters. I actually played for Larry Bird, who's one of the all-time greatest shooters in the history of the NBA, and it was the same story. It was the same story. In fact, Larry, uh, I, I could tell you a hundred stories about him, but great shooters shoot. They're, they're great shooters because they shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. Steph Curry is the all-time leading three-point shooter in the history of the NBA as of tonight, and I guarantee you tomorrow he's going to get up more shots than anybody else in his pregame or his shoot-around or practice, whatever they have. Reggie Miller, number three, Ray Allen, number two, and now Steph Curry, number one.
Good stuff. All right, thank you, Coach. Coming up, we'll have questions for the coach from social media as BYU basketball with Mark Pope continues. Stick around. All right, so welcome back into BYU Basketball with Mark Pope, presented by Siegfried and Jensen. We are in Studio C. We have social media questions for the coach. Let's get to our Q&A portion of the show right now. Question number one from a viewer, follower, who asks, I was in Sioux Falls and didn't see you out during warm-ups. What is your pregame routine? Mm, great question. So uh, what we'll do is our normal pregame is at 60 minutes. I have the distinct pleasure of doing a uh, pregame interview with the great Greg Rubel, which is really the highlight of my night. <laughs> and then we'll go finish up the board, the 40-minute board. So our guys will come in at 40. We'll meet together at about 35. So I'll do the whole board with all the information that we want to re review at the 40-minute mark. The guys go back uh, out on the court. Um, I will prepare the board for the 12-minute. It's really 9 minute 30 second before the game talk. And I'll usually have that board done uh, about 15 minutes left before tip-off, so that leaves me five minutes and 30 seconds to pray for myself and our team. And then we'll go do the, the 9.30, uh, have our deal, and then uh, the guys will go out. We'll meet one last time as a staff, and then we run out of the court. What does your board look like? How much is on it? How much yes. do you taking in at that point? So more stuff is on the board at the 40-minute mark, but hopefully by that time, if we've done a good job, we've distilled the information down where it's pretty manageable. Right, I can cover everything on the board in five minutes. I need, if I can't cover in five minutes, then it's too much stuff. Okay. We haven't done our job prep. And then when we do the board um, at the 9.30, it is literally just the scheme for the game. And so it's very specific. It's the same categories every single game. Most games, 50% or 70% is exactly the same thing that these guys hear every single game. Uh, and there'll be just a little bit that's maybe unique to the game. And, and by that time, hopefully, we're ready to get on the floor and, and execute the game plan without thinking about it too much. Our pregame chat's the highlight of my night as well. Yeah. Until the postgame chat, which I like a lot. Postgame is great. Well, postgame depends. After wins. Yeah. <laughs> so can I just – we didn't even talk – how much time do we have? We got time. We didn't even talk about this. So can you give us some details, please, of your saga? First of all, Greg Rubel is a legend – in BYU athletics. I mean, I know you don't like me to say that, but it's just the truth. We all know it. I walked into the football stadium for like game two or three this year, and I'm walking in and I hear Greg Rubel's voice being shouted out all around the concourse because I don't know what it was, a PSA or whatever. And I'm just like, I think every BYU fan in the world, there is something so identifiable and comforting about your voice because we've all grown up with it and shared with it. It doesn't come easy. Like, it doesn't come easy. Like, I, I don't know if I've ever met a person in this position that's more dedicated. And hence, I would like Greg to help share the details of how he eventually made it to Sioux Falls. Well, first of all, I wish I'd been with you guys on Thursday. Yes. Getting ahead of the storm would have been nice. Yes. Uh, as it turned out, and I'll make this really brief, uh, Friday morning I woke up at 4.30 or 5 in the morning to get to the airport, and my phone flashes a text from Delta saying, your flight has been canceled to Sioux Falls. That's not ideal because the game's the next morning. And so I said, well, at least get me to Minneapolis. We'll figure it out from there. And so I took my original flight to Minneapolis. It got in, and it's snowing in Minneapolis. We landed, luckily. And then I waited in Minneapolis all day as my afternoon flight was canceled and my, then my night flight was canceled into Sioux Falls. At that point, it's find a car. And we have somebody at BYU that has a way to find the guys' great cars. great Lori yes, Sowers. Lori took care Lori of me. Lori Sowers, <laughs> when her book comes out, <laughs> we all got to get it because her, her life is amazing. Lori's amazing. Lori got me a car. I hopped in at 7.30 on Friday night. The game's at 11 a.m. the next morning. And a three-and-a-half-hour drive took me seven. And I drove from Minneapolis to Sioux Minneapolis Falls. Minneapolis is not close to Sioux Falls. <laughs> if you're looking at a map right here, like Minneapolis is right here, and Sioux Falls is like over here. But you can do it in three-and-a-half hours in good weather. It was not good weather. So it just doubled the three and a half, and it was, it was white knuckle and full focus. And, uh, so you weren't driving like you normally drive? You no, weren't rolling down the road like no, this? It was, it was like it, this? Yeah, yeah, more like that. It's all good. Thank and I'll you. tell you, honest truth, I promise you, if Lori couldn't have got him a car, 
he would have got some cross-country skis <laughs> and would have made his way to the game. And that is like, that's just the... That's the show just, must go yes. on. All right. Awesome. Uh, question. Another question for the coach. We're back in our Q&A segment. Uh, question for the coach. Uh, oh, Coach Pope, who are you going to recruit from Coach Sitake's team as a temporary big? <laughs> oh, hey, we've had some great bigs from football. Woo! I don't know. You tell me. Give me some suggestions. Well, I got to call Kalan. Uh, yeah, you be, you know, he's Who would be the number one candidate right now? Oh, gosh. For a basketball? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what kind of game Dallin Holker has. I always, look to tie, I always look to tight ends. I think tight ends are a good option. The Barrington. No, no, no. The Barrington brothers. One of the O-linemen. Clark or Campbell Barrington. They both hooped it up, I think, in high school. And, uh, I'll take them both. One of the Barrington. Clark and Campbell. <laughs> Barrington. I am offering you right now. <laughs> Make your way to the Marriott Center Annex tomorrow at 145. I'll size you up, gear you up. Let's roll, baby. Okay, they got a bowl game. They're, they're, yeah, they're in Shreveport. They'll be a few days uh, away. They'll, 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 they'll hit you next week. Hey, you guys want to go to Hawaii after the bowl game? <laughs> there we go. Let's go. See, I, I just threw the Barringtons out there, but there could be other guys that are going, yeah. I want in on that. And <laughs> so you might, you might be hearing we from We got them. extra room on the plane. Come on. <laughs> Hawaii is on the table. All right, coming you up know, next. Kalani's going to text me now. He's like, hey, I'll send you these guys, but I got to get on that plane too. <laughs> <laughs> Trevin Nell's coming up next here in Studio C when BYU basketball with Mark Pope continues. Stay with us. BYU Basketball with Mark Pope is brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. Smith's, fresh for everyone. And by Cascade Collision Repair, serious about perfection. What happened? <laughs> Welcome back to Studio C here in Provo. Well, it's time for Deep Blue. And uh, the new Deep Blues, by the way, will be coming up on December 28th. So on our next show, two weeks from tonight, we'll have a new Deep Blue for you. But we're going retro once again tonight. It is Deep Blue. It's presented by Brady Industries, Simply Better. And tonight's Deep Blue is on BYU assistant coach Chris Burgess. Mark Pope, what can you say about Chris Burgess? I, like, I can say a lot, but before we do that, can everybody see that little intro video? We did see that. So next time you see the intro video, you'll see me going <laughs> That's our top secret play that we run baseline out of bounds. So please, nobody tell anybody about that, okay? <laughs> but the best part of it is behind me. I have two of the greatest managers that have ever lived. So you see them, they're, they're in this shot, both on my right and left shoulder. It's mm -hmm. Tyler and Cam. And both those guys are every bit as invested as I am. And one of them's holding up two. And one of them is holding up something else, and I don't have any idea what message they're trying to, you know, shoot out to the players. But it's all like I love watching. Like they are in. Look, there they are, Tyler and Cam. I mean, just studs. Now they're they're not running decoy for you, right? They're not giving dummy signals. They're no, just no. doing. <laughs> they're probably saying, "Don't listen to Coach do this." <laughs> all right, let's can we let's transition. Yeah. Intro, was, intro, intro was into Chris Burgess. Chris Burgess. So uh, I mean, what a gift the Burgess family is to BYU. I mean, uh, he's an unbelievable coach. He's an unbelievable person. He develops incredible relationships with our guys. Um, he spends a lot of time focused. Uh, a lot of his time is focused on our bigs and on the defensive end of the ball. And, um, and this deep blue essentially is his confessional, his um, repenting <laughs> for turning down BYU the first time <laughs> and making good on the promise now. Deep blue, Chris Burgess, roll it. We all know Coach Burgess was the number one recruited athlete in all of high school basketball but he's not even the best athlete in his own family. His wife, Lisa, humbles him every single morning at CrossFit. She crushes him. And his daughter, KJ, is one of the top volleyball players in the entire country. And she's still only a sophomore in high school. That keeps Coach Burgess humble. I love basketball. Started at a young age, watching my dad play. Well, I didn't play basketball because I was 6'11". I played basketball because I loved the game. And then I became 6'11". You know, I, I just love the flow of the game, the pace of the game, the energy of the game, and the energy of the crowd. That's why I love this game. 
I've known who Chris is, like many basketball fans and in the sports world, by nature of his great career playing college basketball, professional basketball, and it started as a high school basketball player when he was being recruited as the number one basketball player in America. Out of high school, my final two schools were Duke and uh, BYU. 1995, 1996, I was working for the Salt Lake Tribune as a college basketball writer, and I knew that Chris Burgess was a highly acclaimed LDS player out of Irvine, California, and I knew that BYU needed to land him. If they didn't land him, it was going to be a big blow. BYU being coached by uh, Roger Reed, and he recruited me really hard and had a great relationship with him and his staff, and uh, ultimately it chose Duke. So afterward, we were doing interviews with him, and it was me and a, two other reporters. And I waited until those two reporters were done asking Chris all the questions. And then I was right there, and I said, Chris, when you told Roger Reed that you were going to go to Duke, how did it go today? And that's when Chris, to his credit, said the truth that it was very difficult. And Roger was upset. And Roger said that Chris was going to let down 9 million members of the LDS church by choosing Duke. For him to be somehow blamed was never the case. And for him to ever be castigated in our home or with, with my father as the coach, I mean, he has nothing but love and care and, and great concern for Chris. So it's, it was kind of an inter interesting thing for sure. You have to understand BYU is a recruiting disadvantage. It's hard to get kids to want to go to BYU, particularly if you're not LDS. So one of the selling points that Roger had was the fact that this is your church school. Your church school needs you. Look at all the positive publicity because Chris Burgess was a highly acclaimed high school star. And so Roger's thought, and I can see where he's coming from, is you come here, you're gonna do wonders for the basketball program, you're gonna do wonders for the LDS Church. There's just an enormous amount of subtext that people should understand with Chris and the pressure that was put upon Chris, both internally with his own family and externally with a very passionate fan base at BYU who were hoping to see the number one basketball player in America go there. And I think Roger responded just out of his heart and his competitive spirit. And unfortunately for him, it blew up. Being back here at BYU as an assistant coach, coming full circle, there's so much good came out of it. Right? There's a lot of closure with the relationships I now have, not just with Coach Reed, but also with his sons. We now joke about kind of what went down back in 1996. There's so much love between their family that that situation that kind of went on doesn't, even, doesn't bother anyone anymore. We're just, we're just happy with how everything came about. When playing the game of basketball, just in life, there's a lot of adversity. Um, you, you can't make everyone happy. Things didn't work out at Duke that I had hoped. Uh, individually, collectively, they were fantastic. You know, got to go to a Final Four. I've really enjoyed uh, recruiting Chris and having him in our program. Uh, obviously, we were disappointed when he left, but we always maintained a relationship. You know, I had a great career there. I met my wife there at the U. You know, and then being cut by the Suns my rookie year, you know, I was able to uh, persevere and go play overseas and, and do well and see the world on, a, on another team and another club paying for my family and I to be out there. I don't think I knew what I was getting myself into. I knew that when we got serious in our relationship and I, I knew that he was going to play in one way or another, I knew that we would be traveling at some point. But I didn't know it was going to be all over the world. Obviously, neither did he. Living overseas for 11 straight years, right, 10 months at a time, you get to see see the world. I mean, I saw places from Istanbul to Dubai and Abu Dhabi to Seoul, Korea. In terms of adversity and pushing through it, I'm glad the way my career turned out because I am where I am today, both professionally here as, a, as an assistant coach at BYU, but also with my family. From the beginning of Chris's career, we kind of made a promise to each other that we would stay together. A lot of players overseas don't do that. You know, the guy goes over and does his thing and the wife just stays raises the kids at home, it's easier. My wife was seven months pregnant with our third child, and we lived in a small city three hours outside Istanbul where my wife ended up giving birth in a small village. I didn't have any pain medication or any of that stuff. So it was painful and it was crazy. After the delivery, she had to get a tetanus shot because all the equipment was sterile. But it all ended up being okay. 
But I was just so furious that they didn't have a baby scale because I wanted to know how much my baby weighed. <laughs> and eventually they brought out a bathroom scale and had me stand on the bathroom scale. And then they handed me Ava and was like, okay, ooch kilogram. So we still don't know exactly how much she weighed, but ooch kilogram, that's how much she weighed. Coach Burgess is one of the great uh, up and coming coaches in college basketball. He has a great heart and a love of people. You know, that's why he's become such a good family man. And he also has become an outstanding coach. Just somebody that, that, that has a great attitude every day and somebody that, you know, everyone kind of wants to be around. He's also a really good basketball player still. He can really shoot the ball. He's got a better office than me right now because he made more shots than me. He doesn't forget what it's like to be a player, even as a high schooler. You can ask him what the score was of his, like a random game and he'll tell you the score and who scored what and this, 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 this. There is not a player in America that will experience anything that Coach Burgess hasn't experienced himself one time or another in his basketball career. And so in that sense, and many others, he's an extraordinary coach, and we're lucky to have him here at BYU. Hey, we're great deep blue on Coach Burgess. Well, now to our player guests. Last week's big home win over Utah State was keyed by Trevin Nell, the guy with the silent K. Anything but silent against the Aggies, making his first three threes on the way to a 13-point performance as a new starter in Coach Pope's evolving lineup and rotation. Please welcome in tonight's special guest, Trevin Nell. See you, Trevin. Thanks for coming in. What's up, man? What's up? All right. Stole your shirt. I think you signed. I think you signed with BYU four and a half years ago, or committed four and a half years ago. How do you perceive the passage of time? Because you're still here and still going strong, but it feels like a long time ago. It seems like forever ago. <laughs> I was just thinking about it. Um, we were talking about high school ball, and I've known some of these high school kids, like Colin Chandler, who committed. And I was telling him, I was like, hey, like, it's going to go quick. Like, your senior year is going to go by, then your mission is going to go by, and then you're going to be a junior in college, you know? And so, but yeah, it's gone by super fast. High school for you was, was, was Woods Cross back in the day, right? Yep, Woods Cross. And, and uh, the three, uh, by the way, here's that tweet, by the way, that we were talking about. It was, uh, this was May of 2017. So yeah, four and a half years ago uh, when you said you committed to BYU. And then I guess you signed later in that year officially, I think at the same time as Hunter. Uh, Coach Pope, what? what? <laughs> well, technically, you're only a sophomore now. Technically, I'm only a sophomore. Sophomore, baby. Sophomore. Let's go. <laughs> Five years go by, you're a sophomore. It's exactly. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it works. Where is Miss Tatum? Tatum, she should have been here. She's not. Miss Tatum. <laughs> Miss Tatum. We miss Tatum right now. <laughs> Who else was into you as a high schooler? Who else offered you? Um, I had offers. <laughs> you asked that. We <laughs> I was like, we just talked about uh, that. Sorry, I was like, is he really asking no, I looked at you and I was like, I don't think that should answer that, that actually be a long conversation. <laughs> I was like, this just became a hard-hitting interview. <laughs> Trav just went scarlet red. I, know, no, I, I went from, that, you know, going from, from personal to college recruiting. Switching topics. So Trav, who else is into you, baby? <laughs> I was not going to answer. I was going to say next question. Well, <laughs> good point. Thank you, Coach. Yeah, um, college-wise. Yeah, which college is offered you? <laughs> um, I had UVU. Um, I had all, all the Big Sky pretty much, and then um, the Pac-12 started getting a lot more interest with Cal, and then I had Washington State. And when I decommitted from Cal, I was getting looks from like Washington, Texas, and some other schools, but. Okay. Like a dagger to the heart. It really was. <laughs> I just knew he was coming here. When he said UVU, he just said it. And he it, did. I, I just like. I said it under my breath. Pains in my chest. <laughs> I recruited this young man so hard that he was like, Coach, I'm just not interested, man. Forget about. No, that's not exactly how it happened. Then how good was it to inherit him then, basically? Oh, man, it was good. It's good. You've always said he's going to be a great player. Well, he is a great player. player. <laughs> and here he is. Yeah. Uh, what. Uh, how many shots per day would you get up, do you think? Coach was talking earlier. We were talking about Steph Curry, Reggie Miller, Ray Allen, the three-point deal. Um, how, much, how much of a daily routine is shooting still for you today? Um, it's huge. Like, we get up a ton of threes, a ton of, like, we, do, we call them figure finishes. And so we do a ton of finishes around the rim to start. Um, 
pretty much our shots for practice. It goes, I'd say, 25 to 20 minutes um, during practice. And then we get up maybe 200 threes after practice. And then during the offseason, it's completely different, you know. Um, Coach Fear always gives me a sheet. He says, this is how many shots you have. And if you want to be great, and he always gives me a stat like Steph Curry, he says Steph Curry makes 500 threes a day. So if you want to be one of the greats, and as you can see, Steph Curry just broke the record. Um, if you want to be one of the greats, you have to put in the time, you have to put in the effort, and you got to sacrifice, you know. And so that's kind of like our routine, and it's definitely helped. Our time with you is going to feel so short tonight. We'll make it up to you next time. But you're sitting at 8-2 and two through 10 games. You've got another in-state game coming up on Saturday. Do you mind previewing, previewing it for us? Well, Weber State, they were undefeated, so they're a great team this year. They have some transfers that just came in, and so they're a great team. They're a really high-paced team, and uh, we just got to get better. You know, we kind of took a punch in the mouth against Creighton, and it's time to turn that page, but it still stings for a lot of us. You know, we had a great practice today, great lift, and a lot of the guys are still like, hey, we got to get – we can't wait till Saturday, you know, because we got, we got so much more to prove, and we got so much more to get better. And so this is definitely a huge stepping stone and something that we can really – you know, move forward. Okay. You, you got to let me team up right here because I actually want to hear the answer to this. So Trevin now started out the season not shooting the ball great. Not a, a lot of shots went in for him. And then the last two games he's been uh, three for four and two for three, the last two games, right, mm -hmm. um, shooting at his normal clip. So as you're going to be honest, is you're going through that stretch of a handful of games where you just feel like, man, I don't know why shots aren't going and they're always going for me. How did you deal with it? What were your thoughts? And how did you get out of it? I'm going to be completely honest, I was super frustrated, like super frustrated because um, especially last year I shot the ball extremely well and I felt like I was shooting the ball normal, you know. I shot it and I was like, okay, this one's in and it goes in and out and I'm like, what is going on? Um, but I had multiple conversations with Coach, multiple conversations with Coach Figure about just, hey, they trust me. Even Tijon and Alex, they were great, you know. They, every single day they came up to me and they said, hey, like we trust you, we know what you can do. Like, stop overthinking it, just, just play your game and we'll find you. And so that's really helped me to have, like, guys on the team that trust me so much, have a coach that trusts me so much. And so I'm not going to lie, it was frustrating, but, yeah, like, I trusted the work I put in. And when I, like I told you guys, I said, today's the day, because I, I knew it. I was confident. I, I was shooting the ball well in practice. And, you know, you got to just get over that hump by having confidence in yourself and knowing that your teammates have that confidence. Great perspective. Trevin, thank you. Coach, thank you. We're going to wrap it up for tonight. Good luck against Weaver State on the weekend. All right, for Trevin and for Coach Pope and for producer Hema, I'm Greg Rubel. Have a great week tonight.